to, to share what God's put on their heart. And uh, Glenn's one of those. It's a great friend, and it's a pleasure to have you, Glenn. So let's welcome him. Thank you so much, Stuart. <clears throat> That's great. Morning, everyone. Morning. Lovely to see you all. So my name's Glenn, Glenn Balfour, 32 years old. <laughs> Unbelievable. Rude. <laughs> no, I'm 54 years old. Let's get the guesswork out of the way. My wife's 21, but I'm 54. And um, yeah, so uh, 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 we go back a long way with Stuart and Judith. Uh, and I taught you both, didn't I? New Testament Greek, which I'll come back to in a short while. Uh, uh, but it really is good to be here uh, this morning. And I do feel the Lord's given me something that really fits in with the general thrust of where the prophetic sense has gone this morning and people's words of prophecy and people's words of encouragement. So um, it'll be good to surf on the back of that um, a little bit. So just to help you get ready for what I want to do this morning, I understand you're kind of going through the letter to the Colossians a little bit. So what I want to do is I want to pick up some of the verses from the letter to the Colossians and just, I want to say speed read through them, but just speed point uh, something from each of those verses. So if while I'm doing my next little bit of advertising, you get yourself ready for Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, and we're going to go through to uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. Um, it might appear on the screen behind us, uh, but that's great. But if you want to use your own, well, I was going to say we use our own smart devices these days, don't we? So if you've got your own smartphone or your own hard copy, that's fantastic, and uh, it's going to be uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, down to chapter 2, verse 10. And as I said, I just want to make some uh, points on that. So let me just say a couple of things before we get to that. First of all, let me just mention the, th the uh, thing that I'm really involved with, which is called Mattersea Hall Bible College. Hands up anyone that's heard of Mattersea Hall Bible College. Oh, that's not bad. I see that hand. That's great. That's one of my better appeals. That's, that's a really good, but that's uh, 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 good. If you have, or even if you haven't, go to our website, which is to simply matterseahall.com. What is it? There you go, M-A-T-T-E-R-S-E-Y. If you put in the word Battersea, you might end up with something slightly different. But anyway, it's um, MatterseaHall.com. And that just shows you pretty much everything that we do. Uh, and we do everything from short courses. I'm deeply conscious that you're about 160 miles away from us, so you're not going to move there tomorrow, if at all, in the plan of God. But we do short courses, we do distance learning, we do graduate diplomas, we do master's modules and all sorts of things, and BA programs, if you really want to do a full-time three-year BA program as well. So just have a look at our website. Love you to pray for us. God is doing a new thing. In fact, I'll give you a secret. 
God is always doing a new thing. So we can say that every day with utter confidence. And this is one of those days. See, I'm doing a new thing. And uh, so just pray for us, stand with us. And if you just feel as part of God's call on your life, that we could help you in any way, that would be fantastic. And I'll just put a couple of dates in your mind, which is February the 5th and 6th, only in, in a few weeks' time. But if you're thinking, well, I wouldn't mind going to the uh, Assemblies of God Bible College and just seeing what they do and what they look like. Um, if you can free those two days, we have some free taster days. What's the key word in that term? Freed exactly right. Well done. Spoken like a true gent. Exactly right. Um, they're free and you just simply come on the Tuesday, stay overnight. It's all paid for, as I said. And you can just see a little bit more about Mattersea. Uh, we'd love to... We'd, uh, love to see you if you can make it again you can book on that stuff if you go onto the website and you can see how to get in touch with us that's enough about Mattersea Hall Bible College is that okay but do pray for us and stand with us and we want to be part of the new thing that God's doing so stand with us and all that let me just say one last little bit of shameless advertising is that okay um, one of the things that I've done over the years is teach New Testament Greek I've had some great students like Judith. Um, I've had some students, and uh, uh, <laughs> see what I did there. No, no, no. Great students like Stuart and Judith. Uh, and uh, and uh, over the years, I've gradually developed my own tools. So I've just brought a couple of these down with me. And if you're interested, have a look at them later. I can show them to you. One is my textbook which is called a step-by-step -step introduction to New Testament Greek. And that's because what it is, is a step-by-step -step introduction. To, so if you're interested in New Testament Greek and looking at your faces, you know you are. Um, uh, you can have that. That is cheap at half the price, £20. And if you want to have all the things to memorise as well, I also have this thing as well, which is an extra little memory aid with lots of colour things. And if you buy both, and they each cost £20, you get a free Greek Testament. I know. Isn't that amazing? Look at that. I know. So there you go. That's enough of my advertising. And now you know why I'll never get a job in sales. Uh, but but um, there you go. So is that okay? Thanks. That'll be £40, Stuart. Thank you. No, sorry. <laughs> good stuff. Good, good. Well, that's all my shameless advertising um, um, out of the way. Good. Okay. And as I said, I want to turn you to... Um, Colossians chapter 1, and I just want to draw out some, um, just, just something from each of the verses. And um, I'll tell, tell you how this fits in with what I sense God has been saying through the worship, and the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. It's really, so this kind of thing that you've been involved in this morning, it really is important. It really is important for your growth. If you want to make contact with God, we don't just do that in the privacy of our bedroom, of our own private space, as it were. We do, as the people of God, meet with God in a very unique way. And it's kind of more important almost to see us as part of the collective of God's people, the church. It's almost more important to see us that way as private individuals kind of thing. It really, you know, we are the body. 
And that whole language, and it isn't as if we're just like a body. It's not just a metaphor. We really are the body of Christ. And you see that coming through in the letter to the Colossians and all the way through the New Testament. So what you've been doing and who you are as the people of God really is fundamental for you achieving what God has for you. So um, well done for being here. Great. You didn't have to be in that sense. You could have done anything this morning and you chose to be among God's people. And this is where you get built up uh, in your most holy faith. So it really is good to see you all this morning. We are, this is the body of Christ. In other words, this is God's representation of himself on our planet. This is it. In the church is the manifold wisdom of God. And sometimes as God's people... um, We need to, as it were, correct ourselves. We need to just get ourselves tapped in line. We need to make sure that we're building on the right foundation. And that word's been used this morning. I think it was Rachel that brought that. And, and, and we need to make sure that we're, that, we're, that we're living in light of the truth, not just simply something that we like kind of thing. So I just think that God's word is a great way of just tapping us back in line. And that's kind of what I want us to do this morning. I want us to make sure that we're tapped in line and not just that we're getting the little tangents sorted out that we can go off on sometimes, but actually where we are right, we get that confirmation, we get that affirmation and we say, okay, this bit's right in my life. I want to go for this. I want to go for this. And that's what I, that's what I want us to do as we go through these verses here in Colossians, end of chapter 1 and the start of chapter 2. Um, uh, let me just, just explain a little bit about all of Paul's letters in the New Testament. Uh, very simply, um, um, all of Paul's um, uh, letters uh, can easily be divided, at least anyway, into two parts. Paul always starts off with a theology bit if you like, uh, where he does the theology and he wants to make sure that our, that our minds are right, that our worldview is correct. And then pretty much halfway through, he then changes tack and he goes over to, so how does this apply to our lives? In the Greek, that's called paranasis, but how does that apply? So we have the theology bit. This is this is this is what this is what our life is built on and then about halfway through we change over to the application bit and this is the practical difference it should make to our lives and that's true in this letter to the colossians and uh, the first two chapters of these four chapters is the theology bit this is where paul is laying out okay this is our worldview This is the truth of the gospel. This is who Jesus Christ is. And then chapter 3, verse 1, we move over to the, and this is the difference it should make to your life. So we're kind of in the theology bit of this letter to the Colossians. And you see that change over point, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, therefore set your minds on things above. And the application bit always starts with therefore. Therefore, in light of All that we've just looked at, in terms of all the theology, someone once said to me, (coughs) I don't really do theology, and I found myself saying to them, well, do you do the truth? Because it's the same thing. 
really? Do you do the truth? So what's the truth that your life is built on? And as I said, therefore, set your affections on things above. The kind of sort of segue verse or the changeover verse um, in Ephesians, that's six chapters long. So chapter 4, verse 1, which is, Therefore, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And in the second half, he begins to unpack what this looks like. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that's another classic one. Therefore, in view of God's mercies, mercies for the Gentile, Romans 1 to 8, mercy for Israel, Romans 9 to 11. Therefore, in view of these two mercies of God, you know, um, um, do not be conformed any longer to the image of this world. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. That's someone, Therefore, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't let yourself be burdened by a yoke of slavery. So where we are here in Colossians, we're in this, we're in this theology bit where we're making sure <coughs> that our minds are ticking the right way. So I just want to go through these verses. Is that okay? And if you get nothing else from this, at least we're going to read a good chunk of the Bible. So, you know, so we can't go too far wrong on that. He says famous last words. And I just want to read some. So I'm going to pick it up from verse 21, just because that's the start of a new paragraph. I'm going to read it out in the NIV. Whatever your translation is, I'm sure it's a good translation, unless it's the New World Translation. We'll put those away. Um, but I'm sure all the others are fine. New Living, NRSV, ESV. AV, and whatever they are is all good. Okay, so I'll start reading from verse 21. And this is what I, how I want to head this. I want to think of it in terms of a right perspective on dot, dot, dot. And I just, okay, have you got a right perspective on this? One thing as well I've discovered from God, and I've, and I've just seen in my, in my own experience, God doesn't always, how can I put it, He's not always a God of many words. He'd tell you what you need to hear, and then it's over to you. And, you know, it's a bit like a sat-nav. You know, how many times can I tell you to turn right and for it to mean anything other than turn right? You know what I mean? And, 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 and God does repeat himself, and he, he is merciful and he is gracious. But actually, there's something about God. Look, this is what I want you to do. Over to you. And so when you hear God speaking, sometimes he's, you know, he's not going to have a long chat with you about, you know, now, you know, you know, how does that make you feel? You know, sometimes we need a, sometimes we need a little bit of that, don't we? But most of the time, <coughs> you know, what does Jesus say? If you, if, you, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. That's it. Yeah. I love the words in the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, um, you know, go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey. Everything I have taken time to suggest. No, every, everything I've commanded. And I just, I've just, I've just realized as I go older, sometimes it isn't so much that God keeps saying the same thing over and over again. I'm just mulling it over in my head. I know what to do. Do it. Do it. So there's a lot of sort of gentle tapping and just make sure that you're in line. So um, a, a, a right perspective on. So let me just start from verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. 
If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This wonderful gospel of, of, of reconcile all th- of God reconciling all things to himself by the blood of Jesus. Reconciling the world, not counting people's sins against them. We read in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. Wonderful little thing about, about he's taken down the middle wall of partitions way back there in Ephesians chapter 2 as well. Um, so this is the first thing I want to say. Do you have a right perspective on the gospel, the good news? And by that, I don't just mean if you got your theology absolutely clear on every single bit of what it means that God's reconciled the world to himself in Christ. All I simply want to just simply challenge us all with, are we living out our lives based on the good news? Because what can happen is we can find ourselves living out our lives based on so many other things. And the other things can have their place. They can be good and beneficial. Um, But actually, we've got to be careful that we're not building our lives on those things. And that came out in one of the words as well. There's only one foundation. And I just want to start off by saying, have you got a right perspective that the gospel has central place? Let me give you, a, just, just tease this out just slightly before I move on. Um, you've got to be careful what you're fighting for. You've got to be careful what, you know, I heard a great sermon once. It wasn't one of mine, it was someone else's. You know, there is only, choose which hill you die on. And there's only really one hill that we Christians can die on. Uh, and just, you know, what are you fighting for? What, do you, what, what is taking up your energy? Is it, is it your own defence? Well, that's, that's, not, that's not good enough. Is it your own um, you know, justice? Well, that's, that's not enough. That's not enough. There's only one foundation that we, that we are rooted in, that we build on, that we fight for, and it's the gospel. And just that, just that little thing, just take a little check on your life. Okay. And I know, I know that life's a slow burn. We get up, we do today what we need to do. We go to bed, we get up tomorrow. That's why our, that's why our life in the Bible is called a walk. It's step by step. So it's not instant sprint. It's not, it's not, it's not instant rush. I get all of that. But in terms of what your life is built on and what your day and what your thought patterns are built on, is it built on the gospel? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a very easy way to know what the foundation of your life is. What do you spend your time thinking about? What do you spend your time thinking about? And Paul seems to say here, hey, I spend my life thinking about the good news. And that, and everything I do, whether it's taking care of my physical needs or preaching to God's people, whatever it is, it's ultimately based on that one thing. The good news that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Is that okay? Checklist number one, right perspective on the gospel. Uh, and again, it's, it's great in there that we have the word foundation, built, built upon. And there's that sense of a building. We're going to get another piece of imagery used in chapter two. But 
the foundation of your life. This is, this is my raison d'etre, if you like. This is, this is the logic behind what I'm doing. It's for the sake of the gospel. And if you're doing it for any other sake, ultimately, it's not worth it. I just, I just want to say to you, just be, just be, just be, just be careful. Ask yourself, why am I fighting? Why am I, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I getting my back up on this one? And if the reason isn't the gospel, get off it. <laughs> if, you, if, reason, if the reason is not the gospel, just honestly, it's just a soapbox at the end of the day. So anyway, you can have that one for free. Is that okay? So good. Verse 24, let me read this one too. Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what's still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. And just second, and you think, well, that's a pretty powerful verse that actually Paul in his sufferings is kind of continuing that suffering work of Christ. It's an interesting thing. Sort of thinking, I wonder where Paul got that idea from. Well, I wonder if he goes right back to his very first encounter with Christ. His very first encounter with the Lord. Way back in Acts chapter 9 verse 4, is it? Where here is Saul on his way to persecute God's people and the Lord Jesus confronts him. And we all know the words of the Lord Jesus. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute? And, the, and it's me. It's not them. Why, it's not why are you persecuting my... Why do you persecute me? As if, as if Christ himself still suffers when his people suffer. And so therefore, when we are suffering for the sake of the gospel, whatever that's looking like, you know, stress, whatever that's looking like, but when you're suffering in the work of God, um, actually there's a sense in which this is still the work of Christ being continued. So the second thing I just want to ask you... Do you have a right perspective on your suffering? Do you have a right perspective on your suffering? That in actual fact, if it's for the sake of the gospel, this is all part of the work of Jesus. Actually, are you okay with that? That it's not as if Jesus is now sat back on his throne, getting a suntan while he wakes for us. Jesus is with his people. Is whether I love that imagery in Revelation chapter 1 that Jesus is walking among of all the places for the cosmic Christ with that rainbow and his, and his hair white like wool and his eyes blazing like the sun and the sword coming out of his mouth. Of all the places for the cosmic, the risen, ascended, glorified Christ to be, he wants to be in church. He wants to be among the lampstands. That's the localized, gathered groups of God's people. And I just want, so he wants to be with us. So have you got God's perspective on your suffering? That in actual fact, if this is in pursuit of the gospel, of the good news that God is reconciling the world to himself um, in Christ, it's not just simply a bit of collateral damage, that in your suffering, the work of God is being done. It kind of adds, is that okay if you got that? It just helps us. Let me come on to verse 25. Um, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Another little thing. Just have you got a right perspective on your role? 
on what you do. And here Paul describes himself as a servant. Are you okay with that? Are you, what did the young people say 20 years ago, um, um, are you chillaxed about that? Are you, is, that is, is that all right? That actually, because if you can kind of get it in your mind that you're a servant, it kind of helps you to take, it, take, it helps you with a bit of the ignominy. You know, how dare that happen to me? How that, well, you know, you know, if, it, if, you, if, you, if you think of yourself as a servant, it's easier for you just to take the odd knockback. You know, it's okay. If it happened to Jesus, he was the servant of all. So have you got that servant-like mentality? Whatever your role is, you're a servant. Let me just move on. Um, uh, uh, the mystery that's been kept hidden uh, for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Just another little thing, just to make sure you got a corrective on. Are you, have you got a good perspective on the Lord's people? You know, years ago, I was gonna, I was gonna write a book. Well, I wasn't, but I told myself I was. Uh, uh, and it was this: what I, what I don't like about Christians. It was going to be a long book. Uh, 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 um, uh, uh, and, uh, and I just felt the Lord just tap me on the shoulder and just say, well, I tell you what, Glenn, before you write that one, here's another book to write. What I do like about Christians. And make sure that one's twice as long. I never wrote either book. <laughs> but I just want to say to you, if you've got a right perspective on God's people, we, can, we, don't, we don't always, do we? Actually, my word, you get us to talk about what I don't, what God's people, have, what God's leaders have done to me, you know. Hashtag, just saying. You know, my word, we can be full of it. What I do, but actually, let me tell you about God's people. They're God's people. They're the Lord's people. And if, he, if you've got the right perspective on the Lord's people, these are the people that God's reconciled to himself. These are the people that have responded to the gospel. Have you got that? You know, is, is that? And again, just use that where you are, where you, where you do have a positive view of God's people, and you're serving them. Be commended. Keep doing it. Keep going. Keep going. You might not get any reward down here. Doesn't matter. We're just servants. Let's just keep doing the right thing. My word. One day we'll hear the words, "Well done, good and faithful servant." If we don't hear it before, then well, let's move on. Let's keep doing the. Let's keep doing the job. Or have you got a negative view of God's people? Well, that, that needs tapping in. Can I just say something about little tangents as well? When you go off on a tangent, if you get yourself tapped in quick, there's no, big, there's no big problem. If you leave it five years, oh my word, now you're, now you're on the other side of the world. Now you're completely lost. And I want to say where there's a little corrector. Honestly, take the, take the hit now. It's much less painful than taking it in two years' time. Because in, in the meantime, you've taken yourself so much further down that tangent. Just base, Again, just make sure the actions you do are based on the truth of the gospel, not on anything else, whether they're your issues or anyone else's issues. Is that okay? Are you still with me? I've never preached here before, so I've got no idea how loud or quiet you are. So I'm just, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, um, um, good. Okay. Verse 27, to them, 
God has made, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, among the nations, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Just another little, another little thing. Do you have a right perspective on the world? And by the world, I mean people. I mean humanity. I mean the nations, the Gentiles. Have you got a right perspective on people? Because God has chosen to make his good news known to people. <laughs> That's what he's done. The glorious riches of this mystery. God, God's heart for all people is Christ in us. The hope. Have you got a good attitude to people? You know, you know do, you, do, you, do, you, do you love people? Got to be careful, you know. Um, um, <clears throat> we, in our natural state, we made, we made God our enemy. But, but God never, never, never made humanity his enemy. You've got to understand that it's always, it's very clear, it isn't that, that Jesus was, was reconciling God and humanity to each other. Come on now, you two, you've fallen out, come back together. It's, it's not that, no. No, God, the Father, in Christ, was reconciling humanity to himself. So we've got to be careful. Humanity was never the enemy of God. Never has been. For God so loved the world. I mean, John 3.16, we know it so well. But do you have that loving attitude to people? To people, you've got to have it. And if it's a little bit wrong, get yourself back in place. And we've got to be careful that as Christians, we don't take a spiritually superior view to other people. People are loved by God. Loved by God. Are you okay with that? And again, just take the tap where, okay, I've just got to change my attitude towards my boss. You know, I've got to change my attitude towards people that I work with. I've got to change my attitude towards my neighbour. Just take that. And where you're, again, everything is built on the foundation of the good news. That's the point. And I just want this to be a little bit of, I'm at that stage in my life where I can get a free health check. You know, when you get over the age of 50, you can get one, and I need to do it one day. Um, but this is just one of those little spiritual health checks. Are you, are you doing this properly? Okay. Can I keep getting, um, moving on? Is that okay? Verse 28. Christ is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Just another simple little thing. Have you got a right perspective on Christ? And by that I mean he is the centre and he is the focus of everything. Actually, is Christ in you the hope of glory? Have you, have you got that? I won't unpack that too much because I think we have it in our, in our minds. But just again, make sure that he's the foundation. Just make sure that he's the He's, he is the focus of all things. I love the words of John chapter 16, verse 14, where it speaks about the Holy Spirit will bring glory to Jesus. Jesus says, he will bring glory to me by taking from what's mine and making it known to you. And I just want to say, if it's the role of the Holy Spirit to bring glory to Jesus, <laughs> my word, not to himself, my word, you can pretty much guarantee that's our role as well. Our role is to bring glory to Jesus. It's not to anyone else. Him, to, to him alone belongs the glory. And we take the, when we take the focus, by the way, the Hebrew word for glory is the word kavod. 
It's a nice word, isn't it? As opposed to commode, which is completely different. Um, but let's say the word kavode together. Oh, you can feel the anointing. Uh, and it means glory, but it also means heaviness. The weight. Are you giving, that, are you giving, giving the weight to Jesus? The shift, the emphasis, <clears throat> the focus to Jesus Christ. Let him just be the center. And again, okay, I need to make sure that I've put him back on all things. Your, 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 your task, if you like, is to bring glory to Jesus. Verse 29, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is a lovely little thing. First of all, I love the fact that in this verse, you've got us literally agonizing in labor. That's the literal, I am agon, is the word agonizomai. I'm agonizing in labor by his energy in me. And I love that little that little bringing together. It's not, it's not me or Christ. It's not Christ or me. It's both of us together. So we, we, are, we, are, we, we are working together in this. But this is a real thing. Do you have a right perspective on your purpose? Your purpose is that Christ is revealed, that the mystery is made known. Are you still with me? We've got a few verses to go. Right. Here we go. Chapter 2, verse 1, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who've not met, met me personally. Just very simply, have you got a right perspective on your hard work? Some days it's hard work, isn't it? And I, I guarantee if I said how many people felt they've really had to work hard this week, most people would raise their hands. On oh, my word, I've had to really work. If you, but sometimes that happens. And here is Paul, how hard I'm contending. The word for hard work in the Greek is the word agona. We get the word agony from that as well. But it was actually used for a wrestling match. Athletes wrestling each other. My dad used to love wrestling. And, you know, I don't know if anyone's of that generation, but Mick McManus and Giant Haystacks and Big Daddy and... Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll leave that one. I can't remember the others. There was a fellow with a mask on. That's all I can remember. And my, my dad, and one thing about wrestling is, I mean, it was all a big pantomime, wasn't it? But the idea is, is that, you know, you're really, you know, you are sweating. You're giving this. And here is Paul, here in chapter 2, verse 1, referring to his wrestling, his struggle. Get a perspective on your hard work. If you're doing it for the gospel, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Are you... You know, you're okay with that. Don't get resentful about the hard work days. Um, Abedibin wants to take some time out of that and say, please make sure that you take a day off in every seven. All right, please make sure that you look after yourself, but nonetheless. Verse two, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Very simply, have you got the right perspective on learning, on learning. You want people to grow in wisdom and understanding, but what's the point of it? So that they might know Christ. If you got that on your perspective, on everything you're learning, united in love and understanding, so that we might know Christ. Verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. A right perspective on maturity. This is what it's about growing in Christ. It's about learning about him. 
Verse 4, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Have you got the right perspective on truth? <laughs> truth, just make it, you know, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Just have, have a right perspective on all of that. I love verse 5, an interesting one. For though I'm absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how f firm your foundation is in Christ. Just a little, an interesting, here is Paul saying, I am, I am I'm not with you in body, but I'm with you in spirit. And I don't think that we understand that phrase too well. Because when we say to each other, I'm with you in spirit, what do we really mean? I'm not with you. Uh, that's, what it, that's really what we mean. I'm with you in spirit is a little wonderful spiritual way of saying, I'm not going to be there. Uh, really, we do it as a strange turn of phrase, you know, and, or at least I will be thinking about you. But now I think when Paul says, I'm with you in spirit, I think he means a bit more than that. And, and, and I think that, and, and I think, and this doesn't come through in the English so much, but I think that's as much a reference to the Holy Spirit as it is to, the, is to the human spirit. That I think he has a handle that actually, because of the presence of God's spirit, big S, with all of God's people, he is functioning in his role among God's people, even when he's not physically present. And I just, I just simply want to say to you, have you got a right perspective on the Holy Spirit? That he's always with us. That he always means that we are together as, as God's people. I'm going to draw this to a finish now. Verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Very simply, um, have you got a right perspective on perseverance? Just keep persevering. Continue. Keep going. In fact, that, that, little, that little thing about, um, as it were, uh, continuing to live, it's literally continuing to walk. You've got a right perspective on all of that stuff. Rooted, verse 7, and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Very simply, if you've got a right perspective on your roots. Earlier on, we spoke about that foundation for a building. Now we've got roots for a plant. Oh, your roots in Christ. Make sure that they are. What are, you, what, are you, what are you building yourself on? And just a last few verses. See to it, verse 8, that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces or fundamental worldly principles of this world rather than on Christ. Very simply, if you've got a right perspective on your mind, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, we take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ. Are you taking your thoughts, bringing them under Christ, making sure, don't let, how can I put it? Make sure that you let the word of God rule within you. Make sure that you've got a right perspective on God's truth. And God's, 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 God's truth isn't just simply about ticking the right tick boxes. Yes, I believe that. Yes, I believe that. Yes, I believe that. My word, if we ticked all, the, if we ticked all of the right theology boxes we could, we still look through a glass darkly. We're not going to get it perfect. I think it's about getting your mind right, making sure you're building your mind on the right thing. Verse 9, nearly finished. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Simple little thing. Have you got a right perspective on God? I know it's the old funny thing, but just, just, let me just say it to you. How do you know who God is? 
Well, I'll tell you how you know who God is, because we see Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's it. There's no, how, how can I put it? There's no extra revelation of God in his fullness other than what we see in Jesus. Yeah. We're not going to look around the back of Jesus one day and see the Father. Now, the one who's seen me has seen the Father. If you've got a right perspective on that, we sometimes say to people, oh, people have got a kind of view of God as a big angry God with a big stick. But I sometimes think that we have that view of the Father. Actually, I know Jesus loves me, my word, but the Father, I'm not sure what he always thinks of me. But no, the, 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 Jesus is the full revelation of God. There is no, have you got a right perspective? Have you got a healthy perspective on God? God loves you. He loves you. He loves you like a father does. Finally, Verse 10, and in Christ you've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And just very lastly, have you got a right perspective on your future? You've been made full in Christ Jesus and everything will be brought under Christ. Have you got a right perspective on your future? We can have a gloomy outlook sometimes, can't we? But actually in Christ we've already been made full and he is full in us. I just wanted to go through those verses and just ask, do you have a right perspective on all of these things? Why don't we stand together as God's people? I'm going to hand over to, I'm going to hand over to Stuart in a moment.